I think the turning point for me was really just learning more about myself because at one point I just felt like my head was going to explode, you know, having the kids and wanting to go everywhere and do everything. And I just, I slowed down. I, I, I had to listen to my body and I finally said, you know, I got to slow down and I got to realize what's important. My name is Veronica Cisneros, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, a mama of three girls, and married for 23 years. I am obsessed with helping you navigate through the seasons of marriage, helping couples like you break free from feeling like roommates. I will teach you the secrets to having a healthy marriage by providing tools and tips to help you reconnect in a way that you can't keep your hands off each other, where flirting and kissing is the norm in your household. Setting intentional time to date, get to know and support each other's dreams and goals so that you can grow together without keeping score or judging one another. Where you feel seen and heard even when you disagree. Where arguments end with mutual respect and understanding. Where you work together to build and strengthen your family so no one feels like they're carrying the weight of the family on their own. These are the necessary skills your children need for you to model so that they develop healthy relationships and thrive in life. This is the Empowered and Unapologetic Podcast. Welcome to the Empowered and Unapologetic Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Cisneros. Today's guest is an award-winning PharmD professor, author, and appointed member of the New Jersey Board of Health. She has authorized over 100 peer-reviewed publications and is a speaker and medical contributor on various pharmacy topics. She is host of Coffee with Susie and founder of the Pharmacist Moms Group the largest community of pharmacists in the U.S. Please help me by welcoming Susie Solomon. Hey, Susie. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So I'm so excited to have you because I have like 50,000 questions. But first things first, tell me about like your story. How did you, like, did you always know you were going to become a pharmacist or how did this happen? Sure. So, no, I don't think I knew I was going to be a pharmacist. I think growing up when I was younger, I wanted to um, do a million different things, be a, be a teacher, and I wanted to be a gymnast and be a swimmer and a lot of things that never never really took place. But then when I was in college, I, I knew right away uh, my first uh, year of college that I wanted to go into pharmacy. I went to a seminar uh, about pharmacy, and then I knew that that is what I wanted to do. And I uh, decided to apply my second year, and then uh, I got into a program for pharmacy school, and then I graduated with my PharmD. Uh, the job I do right now, though, I didn't, it did not exist at the time, even when I wanted to become a pharmacist. So I thought I was going to be a pharmacist, you know, working as a pharmacist, and I've never really worked, I should say, a day for any of the typical pharmacies that you would think that I would work at, you know, a, a CVS or Walgreens, or yeah. any of those. I, I never really um, went that route. So what was it about pharmacy that intrigued you the most? 
For me, it was that I knew I wanted to go into healthcare and it was something that I wanted to do, but I uh, I also uh, wanted, I like the business component as well of healthcare. And so pharmacy kind of seemed to marry the two of those together. And so that was where, why I chose pharmacy over applying to other healthcare fields. Okay. Um, and so you mentioned that you're not in like a CVS or Rite Aid or, you know, any of those, any of those locations. And then your, your actual position wasn't even created when you were going to school. So tell me about that process. So I, after I graduated, I uh, did a residency and I also did a fellowship. So I, I went to school for a little bit more and then I worked as a pharmacist and as a professor and, and whatnot. But then um, I, I got married, I had children and I was struggling with work-life balance. Yeah. And in 2017, I went, I was really just struggling with working because I was working weekends, working evenings. I was missing a lot of my son's games on the weekends. And I felt like I was the only mom who was working and all the other moms were available 24 seven to every single event. And so it bothered me and, but I didn't want to give up my career because it was important to me. And so I went to the internet and I went to Facebook at the time. So this is back in 2017. I was just, you know, scrolling on the internet, which is what you're not supposed to do if you can't sleep. But that's what I decided <laughs> to do when I couldn't sleep. And I looked for a group and I was like, you know, there's got to be other pharmacists out there who are, you know, similar to me that they went to all this school. They went to, you know, eight plus years of school yeah. and still want their careers, but then their moms. And, and I couldn't find it. So that night I decided to create a group and it's called Pharmacist Mom Group. I invited about 50 of my friends to the group or colleagues or coworkers. And uh, within a month, the group was at 1,000 members. And today it is the largest organization of pharmacists in the uh, United States of America. It is larger than the American Pharmacists Association. And come to find out that there were a lot of women who were struggling with what I was struggling with and just felt really alone. Yeah. I did this podcast series on high achieving women. Um, and there were women from all walks of life, women, um, you know, one who's an attorney, she owns a group private practice, another one who, um, she owns a blog company, like, like I said, different walks of life. Um, and one thing that kept on coming up over and over was how lonely they are, um, and how not a lot of people get us. Um, you know, um, they don't understand our struggle and, you know, you're talking about missing, you know, soccer games and you have all of these stay at home moms who are, are there and present and, and sometimes can be a little bit judgmental and, you know, critical on, you know, maybe why we're not there and maybe why we're working if we do attend a game. Um, and so this, I love, I love, love, love that you developed this group. So tell me about this group. Is it just a Facebook group? Obviously it's not, but tell me more. So it started out as a Facebook group and just really me looking for support uh, or just other women. And I agree, it, it really is a loneliness that you feel. You're yeah. just, you're you're successful and you're achieving all your goals yeah. and you're checking off all these boxes. And I then think we all hit this point where it's like, okay, now what? Now what? Like I've, I've done it all and now wait, this is it? Is this where I'm supposed to be? And and um, so initially the group was just a Facebook group, really just talking. And then it turned into meetings and meetings across the country and live events and a lot of other vacations together, friendships, unwavering friendships that have developed as well and support 
jobs, networking, I mean, you name it. And and the group is so personal that, you know, we share personal stories with each other, family, you know, related stories and career related stories. So it could be, you know, my son is struggling with this, my daughter is struggling with this, but, and it also could be, I, you know, I'm looking for a new job or I'm looking for something overnight and I'm, you know, or I'm vacationing to New York, where, what should, where should I go and what should I do? So it's really become everything for a lot of, a lot of women, um, across the country. How did this change you? How did this change you personally finding like a community of women who get you and understand you? I think it helped me realize that I wasn't alone on the journey. I think a lot of times in motherhood, many of us feel alone at different points throughout motherhood. And I moved away. So after I had children, I did not, I moved away at 30 years old to a new state and I wasn't, you know, near my mom and near my family and near my support system. And that was also a big struggle for me. So I think the group really helped me realize that I'm not alone. And no matter what city I'm in, there are other women who are dealing with something similar. Cause I think a lot of times when I first had kids, I was here and I'd be looking around and I'm like, oh, well, she has her mom and dad. And she had, yeah. you know, it was all these feelings that were coming up that I had to really work through. And I think the group really helped me to work through understanding where, why I am, where I am and, you know, what got me to be successful and the importance of that. And then really helping others to maintain their success, maintain their identities, uh, you know, be able to have the kids not feel guilty for going to work, not feel guilty for going to that dinner, not feel guilty for a lot of the things that many women, I think, feel guilty and overwhelmed with. The workload. So we talked about, you know, how it was impacting you as a mother, the workload and the demands um, of your career. And even like, I shouldn't just say the demands, but also like, we want to do more things. We want to go ahead and go after certain dreams, certain goals and achieve achieve certain levels. Um, I shouldn't say levels, but achieve, achieve certain things. How did that impact your marriage? So uh, my husband is, has always been extremely supportive of me and of my career. And he knew that that was something that was important to me. I think that really it was me that was putting the pressure on myself more than, than anything mm-hmm. else. I think that my marriage initially, actually, it impacted it by me just feeling constantly stressed and not yeah. being present in my marriage to the point where now I'm like fully present for whomever I'm with and able to be there, whether it's with my children or with my husband. So I think initially it probably did cause stress, but I think I was the one causing the yes. stress. You know, I'm the one putting the pressure, putting the deadlines saying, no, I need to do this. And now what I've realized is it's like, it's okay not to do it all. It's okay. And, you know, I've become a voice for many pharmacists on the internet and on social media. And even initially, and I love it and I love what I do, but initially sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I I don't like, it's okay. Like, I don't have to get back to every single message. Like I'll have like a hundred messages in my inbox. And at first I was like responding and I'm like, I need to reply to everybody. I need to reply to everybody. And now I'm like, Okay, like it's okay. Like I can take a break and I'll get to the messages when I can and people will understand. So again, it was the self-applied pressure that I was putting on myself. Um as you're saying that, I, I remember being that being in that same mode, you know, on social media, my text messages. And one thing I've definitely um I've definitely grown to 
be comfortable with is those red bubbles that are on your phone. Like that has like, you know, right now I'm looking at the red <laughs> bubbles right now and it's like 78 text messages, you know, yes, and it's like, yes. maybe I got, maybe I, I've gotten a little bit too comfortable, but, <laughs> but it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, I have 7,542 emails. Some of them will be right. checked. Some of them probably won't be checked, you know, exactly. but what was that switch for you? I love hearing this. And I love that you just pointed out what I realized in my marriage was it wasn't necessarily him that was putting the pressure on me. It was, it was me. It was totally me. And that's where a lot of us get tied up in, you know, a lot of us, especially in our marriage, we get tied up in wanting to blame or, you know, if he would only be this, or if he would only just understand in reality, it's like, okay, wait a minute. You're literally doing this to yourself, like all of these yes. deadlines, yes. right? Like you're nobody's nobody's pressuring you to do these things. You're doing yeah. it to yourself. Yeah. Tell me a little bit yeah. about that. Yeah, I mean, I think for me that that was the turning point. I think the turning point for me was really just learning more about myself because at one point I just felt like my head was going to explode. You know, having the kids and wanting to go everywhere and do everything, and I just. I slowed down. I, I, I had to listen to my body and I finally said, you know, I got to slow down and I got to realize what's important and, you know, and also affirm and be okay with where I was. And, you know, knowing that I was already successful, quote unquote, you Isn't know, like crazy? I had stuff and it was like being okay with saying that. I, I think it took me a very long time to even be able to say like, you know, I was the CEO of something or I accomplished this, you know, I was a dean at a university at 29 years old and I was the youngest woman, you know, at the in the university system. And it took me a while to be able to say that. I couldn't say it out loud. And I think uh, for many women, I think we struggle with that. Mm -hmm. And it took me quite a while. And once it was, I was okay with that, then everything improved. You know, my marriage improved, my, my work relationships improved, my friendships improved, my relationships with my family member. It was just like everything then improved. And it, and it definitely was a struggle at first, but I think I had to uh, just, I, I don't know. I always just go back to like silence and being still and just really listening to that inner voice and being okay with where I am at that point. I think for me, one of the biggest things I always say is like, everybody's flawed. Everyone yeah. criticizes themselves, you know, and, um, and it's okay. And accepting myself where I am today. Yes. I love that. Um, and isn't it crazy how the minute we start to, um, the minute we start to kind of like pause and look at like some of the shit we created. Um, and I, I say shit because yeah, we, we, uh, all of the demands, you know, um, we pile on all the responsibility. Um, but the minute we're able to kind of just sit back, take that pause and look at like all of the things we have accomplished and then own it and celebrate it and say, hell to the yes, you know, I am, you know, I'm, I am, you know, a CEO or I am a Dean or I am whoever the hell I am. Like in those moments, that's when we, it almost feels like we give ourselves permission to pull back. You know, we mm -hmm. don't have to be in this crazy rat race anymore. Like I know, I know for me, you know, um, I don't, you know, I, I opened up a private practice and it was solo practice and it's like, oh, okay, so what? And I remember like that. So what? Um, it's not a group practice. And then I opened up a group practice and it's like, oh, okay, Awesome. Um, so what it's, you know, I have six clinicians, but whatever, like, you know, it's not a, you know, I don't have multi-locations. 
And mm-hmm. I remember one day walking in, I had, of course, because there was, there was a time where maybe I didn't, and maybe I still am guilty of this too, but like, you know, I'd hold, I, I, I don't have to pee and I would hold it. There was one time where I was racing outside of my office, you know, and I, as I was racing out of my office, cause I couldn't hold it anymore. Um, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the waiting room and my waiting room is completely full and it's completely full of like, parents and um kids and couples i mean it was so full that people are standing up and i remember wh- like running because i was still running because i really had to go to the bathroom but as i was running it's like holy shit you created this like you you created this people are like lives are changing right now like lives are literally changing all of the all of the offices i have of six office suite all of the offices were closed you know, and there was a whole bunch of people in the waiting room and it's like, holy shit, you created this. Like, I mean, go pee, but you got to celebrate this moment too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, there's something to be proud of. Yes. Exactly. And all this pressure when you're saying like, yeah, to me, it would be like, wow, you did all of that. But then in the back of your mind, it's like, wait, it's not a group or it's just, and I think I've had those thoughts too. It's, you know, wait, but I'm only an assistant dean. Then I became an associate dean, but, but I'm only an associate dean. You know, I'm not, I'm not the full dean. Like, you know, and it's just like all these pressures on ourselves. And um, yeah, and no one else recognizes that they're there. It's, it's just right in our, right in our heads. So. No one else except for another woman that's doing the same that's, thing to herself. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Right? Exactly. exactly. So, now you've established this beautiful, amazing group. And I mean, you said it's far beyond, you know, um, I don't want to get this wrong, but you said it's far be- beyond the, um, it's the largest community pharmacist in the U.S. So it's larger than an act- than some other organization, okay. right? Yes, exactly. Than all the other pharmacy associations that include men as right? well. I mean, yeah, it's basically larger than all of them. Yeah, which is which is amazing. That is bananas. So. And so yeah. with that, like how I want to ask, how did you celebrate that? Because you've changed women's lives. Like I I'm sure you know this, but like you've changed women's lives and maybe women who are like totally done with the career are now staying in it or maybe doing way more than they imagined. Like how did you celebrate this? I think I still need to celebrate it. <laughs> now you're making me think, you know what? I probably should celebrate it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I need to do more more of that. I, um, You know, we celebrate together, I guess. Yeah. But I think that, again, it's the voice in the back of my head that's like, well, is it enough? Did I do enough? Did I, you know, of course. can I more? And so... You know, as you're talking, like the the wheels are turning in my in my brain as well. Susie, so. don't make my ass fly to Jersey and <laughs> pull up with a tequila shot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, you might have to. <laughs> I think that's I haven't been to New York, gosh, in fourteen no, sixteen no. How old is Brooklyn? Brooklyn's our New York souvenir. So we end up conceiving oh. her in New York. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. Yes. She's 13. Yeah. It's been 13 wow. years. Holy moly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I might, I might knock on your door. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, there's a crazy lady with the tequila bottle. <laughs> so, we'll right? Okay. So you're making all of these changes. 
What is one change you would like to make on this podcast episode? So earlier we were talking about adults and vaccinations. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So I think, you know, one thing that women do is a lot of times we put ourselves last or second. Mm -hmm. So we'll go and we'll take our, our children, make sure that they're up to date on all their immunizations, that they're well fed, that they're eating the best food, that they're in every class possible and they're learning how to swim and, you know, they're learning Taekwondo and they're learning every which, which, you know, new skills, chess and golf and, and everything. everything. And then we're kind of just like on the back burner because also we're, we're working and we're, yeah. you know, we're, our heads are everywhere. So I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I like to bring up is just the importance of adult immunizations and vaccinations. Uh, right now, a lot of times we put ourselves, like I said, uh, as a second choice or we don't look into it, but there are some vaccines that are currently recommended. And one is the hepatitis B vaccine, mm -hmm. which is recommended for adults uh, 19 to 59 to get vaccinated. And I think, you know, we're often just forgetting ourselves. And uh, last year, the CDC updated its guidelines on adult vaccination, and it recommends that adults 19 to 59 be vaccinated against hep hepatitis B. The other vaccines are tetanus and shingles, pneumonia, flu, uh, as well as COVID, which is, you know, um, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if I can say it. I'm like, like talking about it. Well, I know because the there's so, so there, that's the other part. Like, not only do we put ourselves last, um, but the other part is there's so much controversy around this yeah. topic. And we talk about, we talk about uncomfortable stuff all the time, ladies, you already know this. And so why are these, in your opinion, why are these so important for us to get? So I think hepatitis B is extremely infectious. It's a virus that we know that it's a hundred times more infectious than HIV. And a lot of times most people are unaware they're even infected. And I think since there is no cure for hepatitis B, the only way to, uh, you know, help yourself is to prevent the disease by taking the vaccine. The Hepla-Sav B is the first and only hepatitis B vaccine that's delivered in two doses over a month. So you get the first one, you go back and you can get the second one and just be done. Typically, hepatitis B was treated in three doses. So it was like one, then another month. And then, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you know, this. then like it's like six months later, you, you come back and you might have forgotten the third dose. So the Hepla-Sav B vaccine, it really makes it a lot easier to schedule it. And you can go to www.hepbcatchup.com to make it easier. So some of them are very easy. We've been vaccinated against hepatitis B for many, many years. You know, this is nothing new that we've been doing in healthcare. So I think, you know, just making sure that we are up to date and catching up on our hepatitis immunization. I think this is a good one because there are very little side effects, just, you know, maybe some pain at the site of injection or a headache, but it's not, it's not tremendous side effects either that you have to be concerned about. I know looking for the right therapist can be challenging. However, feeling overwhelmed and disconnected is even harder. Life is filled with several twists and turns, some more severe than others. We do our best to handle them as they come and find ourselves at a loss, not knowing what to do or who to turn to. The clinicians here at Outside the Norm Counseling are here to help. We are here to assist you through this time of need. Together, we will identify your strengths and goals and teach you healthy coping skills. Together, we will develop a plan to help you live the life you want to live. 
Our team is compassionate, genuine, and we take a great deal of pride in providing an empathetic, non-judgmental approach to all of our clients. It's time you've waited long enough, whether it be for you, your child, or if you're in need of a couple session, we are highly trained clinicians ready to guide you. Schedule an appointment now by calling 951-395-3288. Again, that number is 951-395-3288. We're looking forward to meeting you and being a part of your journey. How do we get, so my dad, my dad was a, um, um, my dad's so popular. He's no longer with us, but like he's, I talk about him often now. Um, but, um, my dad, my dad was a, um, he was, he was heavily into heroin, heavily, heavily into heroin. Um, and so when I hear hepatitis, I go straight to, okay, well, wait a minute. That's only for like heroin users, right. Or people that use needles. So for someone like me who does no drugs, right. Um, I don't even really take medication. Um, what, like, how do we get hep B? Why, why is it? Yeah. How do we get hep B is you mentioned it being pretty contagious. So hep C is the one that's typically through the sharing of the needles or syringes. So that's hepatitis C, which is different. Hepatitis B is you can get it through blood, bodily fluids, semen, uh, you know, saliva, different, different things like that. So it's a little bit, it's more, I would say, contagious in the general population than um, hepatitis C. Hepatitis B, you know, typically um, can lead to chronic hepatitis B, which can cause serious complications. Hepatitis C, again, is is more serious and it can it can lead to also liver failure and all that, but that's really due to the the um, you know the needles that Mm -hmm. cause the hepatitis C, which is a little different. So hep B, it sounds like we could even get through maybe sharing a drink. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Holy crap! Yeah. And then you also yeah. mentioned yeah. that a good amount of people don't even realize they or don't even know that they have it. Exactly, they don't. And so, and actually, a lot of most universities have required the hepatitis B uh, vaccine for many, many years. So just to even live in a dorm on campus, the hepatitis B vaccine has been required for many years. So because again, it's just so highly contagious. Yeah. The tetanus. I've always thought for tetanus. It was like one and done. You got it done when you were like a kid because you were a kid and you like would accidentally step on needles or maybe got bit by, I don't know, like a gopher because you were sticking your finger in a hole and you weren't supposed to. And your mom told you not to do it like 18 times, but you just had to do it that once. Um, <laughs> but for yeah, tetanus, <laughs> right? All of us, um, not just me. Um, so the tetanus shot, um, how many times do we need to do that? So every 10 years, and oh. it's important. again, that's why it's important to have our records. I think as adults, again, we carry our, our children's books and we make sure that they're up to date. And I know even for me, I have all of my children's vaccines. Yeah. And, and they got, when they, album yeah. of it. Yeah. Mine, I don't know where mine's at. Thing, like in that album. But um, so I think, you know, for this one, it's every 10 years, okay. unless you have a very, you know, deep wound that you might need an additional tetanus vaccine. But in general, every 10 years for a booster shot is for the tetanus vaccine. And then, and then the flu shot is like every year if you need, you know, you need it or shingles is, is different, but that's also based on age and, and whatnot as well. So shingles, that one I definitely want to talk about. I, um, I ended up getting like, um, 
I'm going to get this checked out. I actually made the appointment the third day after I started getting, after symptoms starting, um, didn't go away. But like I started to feel numbness in, on the side of my face and like it's sensitive in this area. And so right away when I called my doctor's office, they were like, oh, you need to go to emergency room. I was like, that's cute. I'm like back to back with patients. I don't have time for that. Um, so can you see me at four? Cause either way, if I go to the emergency room, it's going to take that long anyway. And so they ended yes. up, I ended up convincing my doctor to go ahead and see me at four o'clock instead of going to the emergency room. Cause they were afraid that it might be, um, either like symptoms of a stroke. Um, what was that other one? Something where your face droops. I forgot what that was called. Um, Bell's palsy. Um, yes, right. So yep. I ended up going and she's like, well, she had said that this is also symptoms of shingles, except for I didn't have the full breakout. And so I was like, wait a minute. I thought if I had my chicken pox when I was a kid that I wouldn't have shingles as an adult. And so right now that you're bringing up the shingles immunization, if we've had chicken pox as a kid, would we need the shingles immunization as an adult? Yes, you still need it. There's no guarantee. I mean, I actually, you know, it's funny you mentioned this. So a lot of my friends, you know, unfortunately in their 40s have been getting shingles. And I don't know why. A yeah, lot what of is that? Men who are overachievers, a lot of my friends, I mean, one of my friends just texted just a couple weeks ago, this rash on her back and we're like, it's, it's the shingles. That's, that's what that is. And, uh, so it can definitely present itself as you're talking about, like in the face or it could, yeah, I don't have a rash or anything, but I was like, holy shit, what is this? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely, especially if you have a weakened immune system, you're stressed, you have, you might've had chicken pox younger that, that can increase it. But other, otherwise there really is no guarantee that just because you had chicken pox, it doesn't mean that you, you can't get the shingles because it, basically the virus is lying dormant in the nerve cells and they can just reactivate later in your life causing the shingles. And uh, so it, there is a vaccine that is recommended for adults 50 years and older to, regardless of if you had shingles or not, you okay. should probably get it. And it's about 90% effective in pre preventing shingles. And a lot of people are like, well, why should I get it? It's, it's extremely painful. The reason is, is that like- oh, Wait asks, a minute, Susie. <laughs> we were best friends five minutes ago. Now I don't know. <laughs> so like, a lot of people were like, oh my God, the pain that, um, it was extremely, um, painful for a lot of, for a lot of people. Like why they're like, wait, wait, should I get, should I get this or not? And, um, I know that a lot of um, people complain of the pain of the shingles. Oh, okay. So shingles, if we're in our thirties, forties, um, what type of shingle immunization should we get? Is there a certain name or no? There isn't. Yeah, there isn't one. No. Oh, okay. So we have to wait till we're 50. For the shingles immunization. Typically, yeah. Oh. Yeah, you can talk to your healthcare provider about it if you'd like to get it earlier. But right now, the guidelines are 50 years and older. Okay, so I got I, I got some time. I got a lot of time. <laughs> you have a lot of time. You know what you look like right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then pneumonia. You mentioned pneumonia. I used to get that um, every year as a kid. I would get pneumonia. Now, obviously, not, not at all, um, I think. Um, who knows? So pneumonia, why is that important that we get pneumonia immunization? I never even knew there was immunization for pneumonia. 
So pneumonia vaccines are also recommended typically uh, in the elderly, so 65 years and older. Okay. And it's really because they have weakened immune system or heart or maybe another underlying condition like heart disease, diabetes, or lung disease. So uh, those those are really recommended for uh, for the elderly just because it's more difficult for them to fight it. Or if you are an adult and you have risk factors, say like you smoke a lot or you have COPD, then you might, um, you know, need it. Otherwise, um, you know, in general, uh, adults are the ones, elderly are the ones who are getting it. And then there is a pneumonia, the pneumonia vaccines that are given to young young children as well, um, you know, 12 and 15 months of age, around there, two months of age. And there's another dose around like two years um, if they need it. Um, Sometimes if you travel, you need to get vaccines. So depending upon where you're visiting or, uh, you know, you might need vaccines while, while traveling too. Okay. And then the last one, COVID, which I know is a thousand percent, like, um, I mean, I can already feel you ladies, like there's like an uproar <laughs> happening. I could already feel, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Um, and yeah. so COVID, so I've always thought with COVID, um, you know, you took, um, you took, you ended up getting vaccinated. So I ended up getting vaccinated, um, a while back. So got vaccinated and then you ended up getting your booster, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You ended up getting your booster. And then after that, I thought we were good. So what, what's your opinion? So my opinion will also activate or re- <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen people's opinions as well. But I think that for the most part, if you are a young, healthy person, uh, pretty much everyone has antibodies now in the country to COVID. So I think that if you did get your first couple shots, I think that you should be okay. If you are, you know, for my mom, I might recommend something different because she's older. So I do think she would need. Yeah. My mom's like, I could give two shits. I'm not getting the COVID vaccine. (laughs) So it just, it depends, but I do think that some, you know, if you're older or if you have, if you're immunocompromised, you, you know, you take a a medication that would impair your immune system, your transplant recipient, you definitely would um, need to have some boosters of the COVID. Uh, otherwise I do think for right now, I mean, my opinion and many might agree or not agree is that many already have immunity. And so, you know, when you're, we're getting it, we are getting it more mild and, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the same COVID that it was back in 2020, where you would hear just people that were young and otherwise healthy dying and new, and now there's a lot more protocols. We know exactly not exactly what we're dealing with, but we have a better idea. And some people still need the boosters. You know, like I said, if you are immunocompromised, you're sick and and whatnot. And there is some talk to right now, just make a yearly booster so that it looks like COVID, in my professional opinion, is probably going to be like kind of like cyclical. So similar to like the flu shot, how you just get it in the winter season and, and those individuals who get it, or maybe if you work in a hospital or you're exposed to people or you're working around the elderly and you work in a nursing home, then you know, and you're getting those uh, vaccines. So it looks like the COVID vaccine, the booster would be a a yearly thing as well. Um, Another question, just because I'm dying to ask. So with vaccinations, with, um, with the COVID um, vaccination in particular, what, did you get a lot of shit or did you get a lot of kickback with being a pharmacist? Um, Like, what was that? (laughs) I'm only, I'm only asking just because I remember like, when I was thinking about getting it, I, I practiced virtually the entire time, but I remember there was a point where it was like, okay, they're giving it and they're giving it to, um, 
you know, physicians and they're, you know, they're also recommending, um, you know, therapists um, get it. And so it was like, I remember calling one of my friends and she was like, Veronica, you literally got the golden ticket. And she was, she was not practicing as a, um, a she wasn't, she was no longer practicing as a physician. She was stay at home mom, but she's like, Veronica, you got the golden ticket. Like, just get it. And I remember like literally asking so many of my friends who were also physicians. I was even asking some of my psychiatrist friends. I was like, I'm just going to ask everybody. I'm asking everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I ended up making my decision for you. What was that like? So I, I think I felt like it was the golden ticket as well. So I, I was one of the first people to to get the vaccine. As a pharmacist, I was able, you know, as a, a first line person yeah. to to get it. And I actually um, took it and I and I put it on my social media. And initially, everyone was like, you know what, that's great, and let's do it. And then. Um, later when the booster started coming out, that's when there was a lot more controversy and a lot more vaccine hesitancy and, you know, were the vaccines developed too quickly and, and all of the, you know, the other outlier as well is that during the time of the vaccine is that if you had side effects and you did have to be home for a day or two to manage your side effects, which many did, I mean, my husband was, he had a fever after the vaccine for a couple of days. So now people can't afford to do that. Now it's like, if you go get a vaccine, you can't skip work for two days yeah. because you know everything's back up and running as well. So as of, I think pharmacy in general received pushback initially, it was a lot of care and everyone was in support because pharmacists were the ones administering the vaccines, testing everybody. So at the time it was a great time for pharmacy. I think now there, you know, there's just a lot more hesitancy with vaccines in general. And I think and that's okay. I mean, even me, myself as a pharmacist, I mean, I'm, I look and I question and I analyze everything and I'm, you know, wanting to ensure that what I'm giving to myself or to my children is I, I actually really believe in. Yeah. So I think that we have to, we have to look at that and, um, you know, look in general at the public health in general as well. And, you know, addressing vaccine hesitancy is not, simple. It involves, you know, it's multifaceted and it involves a lot of education and communication and and really just talking it out. But I think as pharmacists, there's been backlash. There's been backlash on social media. There's been backlash uh, throughout the way. And I think, uh, you know, really for me, I think the most important thing is building your immune system to be strong. So I really encourage everyone to exercise. I mean, for me, the number one thing I always tell patients before even taking a blood pressure medication, before doing it, like, how much do you exercise? Like, yeah. Do you know that exercise is better than any pill on earth for your depression, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for your anxiety, yep. for your blood pressure, for, for everything? If you exercise, that's better than everything. But most people just don't want to do it because it's, it's work. And, you know, it's a lot easier to take a medication. But, but data shows that exercise is, is the best, the best, best thing for medicine. our bodies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. There's no other medication that can lower your blood pressure, help your anxiety, treat your, you know, there, there's nothing that can do it all except for exercise, really. Bingo. Bingo. Well, Susie, thank you so much for being on. So if people want to work with you or join your community, how do we go about doing that? You can find me on Instagram uh, at Dr. Suzanne Solomon, D-R-S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-S-O-L-I-M-A-N. Awesome. And then um, one last question. What is your what, what, what is one tip you would give to the working mom 
who has all of these goals and they're so big, they scare the crap out of her. Um, and she's, she's like completely burdened with guilt. Um, and she's afraid. What is one tip you would give her? Oh, wow. I was there. So I can, I can very much relate. I think that, um, you know, I think the biggest tip I can give her is knowing that good enough is okay. So knowing that you're doing your best is okay, that you do not, again, have to do all of it at one time. And then, you know, you're never going to achieve all of it at the same time. I think that's, and that's okay. And that, that, there's no problem with that. So I think being okay with that and knowing that good enough, I think just having that word in there is fine. And, you know, your kids ate, they ate. It's just like, you know, cause I used to be like, well, they didn't eat, they didn't have like this many fruits and this many vegetables and this and that. So I think, you know, they ate, they're fed, they're okay, you know, and it's, and it's okay. Like this week we were so busy and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I might give my kids McDonald's and I feel so bad. And like the old man never would give my kids McDonald's. It was like, how, how dare I do that? You know, what kind of mom would I be like, because I prefer to be them organic and real yeah, and all, all, this other, all these other things. But then this week I was like, you know what, I, I have to go give it to them. And no, I've never seen a patient come in and say, my mom gave me McDonald's at seven years I'm old. Dying. And I'm, you know, I've all today <laughs> exactly <laughs> because of it. So I'm like, it's okay, Susie. So I guess my advice to that person, because I might still be that person is that good enough is okay. Like yeah. it, you will be, okay. your kids will be okay. And, um, you know, and, and to just ride with it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, my kids had, um, raisin bread with cream cheese on top of it for, for breakfast this morning. They (laughs) ate it in the car and I didn't make it. They did. My 13 year old made it. They ate. Even better. They ate. (laughs) Exactly. They're fed. They're fed. Thank you so much, Susie, for being on. Thank you. Thanks so much, Veronica. Raise your hand if you are ready to level up your marriage for 2023. Do you find that you're spending your time together with your husband checked out and in front of the TV? I know you're ready for tangible strategies that actually get you results. Reignite the spark in your marriage. Have fun and grow together. Well, I hope you have your hand raised at this minute because I have something special for you. I'm introducing my brand new six-question marriage predictor quiz that's going to give you personalized results to catapult you into the next stage of your marriage journey. That means you'll receive the results to where your marriage can get the best help. If you've got just one minute, head to veronicacisneros.org forward slash quiz. Again, that's veronicacisneros.org forward slash quiz and you could take my brand new quiz marriage predictor get your results delivered right to your email address again that's veronicacisneros.org forward slash quiz veronicacisneros.org forward slash quiz What's up, ladies? Just want to let you guys know that your ratings and reviews for this podcast are greatly appreciated. If you love this podcast, please go to iTunes right now, write a review, rate the episode, and subscribe. Don't forget to share it with your friends.
I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.